Rambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's probably the closest thing we're going to get to confirmation as we welcome you back into the Burns and Gambo show. The Phoenix Suns are officially listing Kevin Durant as questionable for tomorrow's game against the Timberwolves. It's better than out. It's definitely better than out. Yeah, all projections are that he's going to play tomorrow, barring any setbacks. So we should expect that he's going to play unless we hear otherwise. Indeed. We're going to have James Jones on the show tomorrow if we confirm that. Mitch, what do you get? Okay, will you check on that for me? I, we're supposed to. It's our normal day to have him. Maybe we can get more out of him tomorrow when we talk to Man, him. But right he's now, so gung-ho over Miami being in the Final Four right now. Oh, he should, well, he should want to come on every single day. I mean... Uh, and I, I'm, not for nothing. I was talking to him about that Miami basketball team back in January because I saw them and they were pretty good. We talked the Miami. The Miami basketball. Good luck. We charm. talked Miami basketball back in January. Maybe way, way, way before the so, tournament so he started. Needs, he needs to come on and get some more of that good luck charm for his team to maybe cut down the nets and win a national championship. For goodness' sake, Jim Larinaga. So supposedly that's happening tomorrow. Again, nothing. The only thing official from the Suns is that he's now listed as questionable. For tomorrow's game, there are multiple reports from Sham Sharani that tomorrow is the day. Finally, he's going to make his home debut, right? It's like, okay, we, wow, we, that's twice. right, his home debut. I forgot all about it that. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. We thought it was going to happen the first time against Oklahoma City. It didn't. We thought it was going to happen the second time against Oklahoma City. He hurt himself in the pregame warm-ups. Now here we go. You know, we'll see. We'll see if tomorrow is the day as we're all holding our breath. All right, um, today, Jonathan Gannon, head coach of the Cardinals, met with the media as part of the owners' meetings that are going on here in town in the NFL. It's kind of a tradition. The AFC coaches meet with the media one day. The NFC coaches meet with the media the other. And as far as the free agency moves made so far by the Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon took a very positive approach. Yeah, excited, excited. I uh, feel like we added some really good pieces. Um, Some guys are coming and create some competition with some of those position groups. The other thing I like uh, that Monty and I were kind of in lockstep about is some of those guys have major versatility. And so that's good when you're kind of adding pieces in for some competition, but guys can play multiple positions. That also helps you in the draft that you're not stuck to, oh, well, we need a guard. Well, this guy can play guard or whatever the case may be. So uh, excited about getting to work with those guys and seeing what the best spots for those guys as it fits in when we start adding some we'll keep adding pieces in the draft and free agency and then the uh the money quote if you will um he says look games are not won because of what you do in free agency you don't win any games in free agency i know that um so yeah i feel really good about the pieces that we added we had a very clear vision of why we added them and um we know why they know why they're coming here uh, which is huge to me they know their role and and where we're gonna what we're going to ask them to do and how we're going to ask them to fit in. And um, I'm excited to get to work with those guys. Look, a lot of these guys are coming here. They know why they're coming here. They're coming here because they're cheap and they're on one-year deals. LJ Collier is a a one-year deal. Josh Woods, the former Lion, is on a one-year deal. Jonathan Ledbetter is a one-year deal. Uh, I think Zach Pascal got a two-year deal. Yeah, but you know what? Even the two-year deals. that's a one-year deal. I I bet if we really looked at the two-year deals, they're really actually one-year deals. I think his is a 
budget to your deal. But Froholtz and Pascal and Dennis Daly, and I, I bet if we were to peel back the layers a little bit, we'd see that they're basically one-year deals. And, and these guys know they weren't. Uh, you know, Kazir White's a little different. I think he was coveted on the market. I think he could have found a home in a lot of different places. I think a lot of these guys are signing one-year deals. And, and I mean, look, it, Jonathan Gannon, in part, it's his job to be optimistic about him, right? It's his job to, he, he can't hold a press conference in which he says, I don't think these guys are any good, right? He can't do that. He can't express doubt about them. He's got to show them confidence. He's got to show them the love like that. It's just, it doesn't, his rosy vision of these signings and what it means for their immediate future is just a little too rosy for my taste, you know? It's like, well, and then to say that, you know, free agency, you don't win games in free agency. Kansas City Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill. What did they do? They went out in free agency, got Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They got Orlando Brown. They had a save. Like, they did some things that help them win. Like, you know, it's a tool, right? We said earlier, it's a tool. It's not the be-all, end-all. You don't want to have to rely on it every single year. But a lot of teams use free agency to upgrade their roster. Hey, the Philadelphia Eagles added Hassan Reddick. How did they get him? Free agency, right? So teams do it. They add players in free agency. And sometimes when you make the right moves, it can help. Now, a lot of bad moves are made in free agency. You can waste a lot of money. Jordan Phillips with the Cardinals. It happens. But if you've got a good team and you're wise, you can do it the right way. It can help you win football games. It's very true. And again, you and I, I, I don't think we can say this enough, all right? If if the plan of the organization is to take a reset year with the roster and get the cap in order and not win a bunch of games and kind of look themselves in the mirror and know they're not a very good football team and know they're not going to, I'm down with that. You're down with that. It's the right thing to do. I mean, it really is. It's the, it's the, it's the right play for the organization 100%. right now. It is. I've got 100%. no problem fundamentally on board. with what they're doing. It's just, you know, to hear the coach speak so glowingly of it, you know, it, it's I, I, I totally get it. He can't be fully transparent with what's going on, but I don't need such a rosy outlook. Here's another example. I don't even know if I have the soundbite for this. Um, Jonathan Gannon was asked about the center position, and according to ESPN's Josh Weinfuss, quote, we don't really need a center right now huh <laughs> right i mean it's like you don't y- y- yell to fro holtz gonna get it done lasita smith you're cool i mean like they don't need a center they need a center they they, they kind of need a center i well our goal is for for the nose tackle to be able to get some sacks against us so uh, we're gonna oh they need a center they, 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 they need a center play for we me. got a few guys that can play center that have played center um and then we'll look to possibly add in free agency in the draft. So uh, that's a, that's the one thing about adding people with with multiple skill sets uh, that that can play different positions. You're not, you know, well, we need a center. We don't really need a center right now because guys have done it before and can play that spot. So uh, gives you flexibility as you move forward in the off season with how you want to add pieces. Yeah. Potential. <laughs> I mean, this, this, uh, uh, was it the guy from the Netherlands? Fro, Fro, uh, Fro, 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 Yelda Froholt. I mean, the guy started like three games last year at center. He didn't start a whole lot at center. I mean, he was, he's, he's kind of a backup guy, right? I mean, he could play guard. He could play a little bit of center. So he gives you the option to play center. Um, and he's probably a swing guy that could play a little guard, a little bit of center, but they need a center. 
They needed a center last year. Mm-hmm. They need a center this year. Mm-hmm. Rodney Hudson, look, they focused on two centers in the draft. And they liked the Jurgens kid, too, out of Nebraska. They really liked him. They weren't able to get him. They need to, they need to address the center spot. They haven't. They've got two guys, but I don't know if those are long-term. You know, those are stopgap guys. I don't know if they're, that they're long-term answers. Yeah, I, I, I know I've said this many times. Uh, actions speak louder than words. I'm not going to get too bent out of shape about what Jonathan Gannon said today about the state of the roster because I think the actions are louder. The actions are clearer in terms of what the direction is and what the plan is and things like that. But the words were uh, unexpectedly rosy given the level of inaction the team has had so far far this offseason, right, in free agency. Like, I wasn't expecting it to be that glowing in terms of what they've done so far because they really haven't done that much in free no, agency. I mean, it's possible he he believes it. Um, again, I'll say it a hundred times. Like, I'm all on board with the rebuild if that's what they have to do, and they should do that. They should take a step back and rebuild the roster because there's a lot of, it's a mess. I mean, it's not like the cupboards were, were full when, it, you know, Sean Miller left Arizona and he left the cupboards pretty full. There are a lot of good players out there. You know, um, I think now the cupboard's pretty bare, and I think it's going to take some time to rebuild it. The Phoenix Rising season kicks off this Saturday against San Diego Loyal SC. We're giving you the chance to win tickets. Go to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for details and your chance to win. Just when things are looking up for the Phoenix Suns, the bright spot of the team has been... We'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports. Local sports leader. All right, back here on the Burns and Gambo show, the Suns bench. We continue to have a lot of conversations about it because it continues to kind of change and evolve and shift on us, right? Like a week ago, if we would have had a conversation about the Suns bench, we would have said, Where's Ish? Where's TJ Warren? Uh, Landry Shamit, welcome back. Hey, glad to have you here. Here we are a week later. Landry Shamit, it feels like he scored like two points in the last three games, right? TJ Warren is now closing out games. It's Wainwright's closing out games. It's a it's a real moving target and has been a real moving target these last couple of weeks. And who knows? Kevin Durant's return tomorrow, assuming that happens, is probably going to change and shift again over these next couple of Listen, weeks. Listen, I think James Jones is really good at building a roster. I think he's really good at it. And there was a time when he didn't have the superstar players where he's very reliant on his bench, very reliant on his depth to being able to win them games. You know, before Chris Paul was here, before Kevin Durant was here, and it was kind of Devin Booker on an island. I mean, it was very reliant on let's make sure that we've got really good players at three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and we could beat teams there. So it is it is interesting that they're so top heavy now with four guys making the vast majority of the money on the roster mm-hmm. that their bench has actually been good for them. And it's been a makeshift. The way they built this bench is very makeshift. Two of the key players that are on the bench right now doing a good job for them are guys that weren't even here six weeks ago. I'm glad you mentioned that. If you think about the eight or nine guys who might end up getting the bulk of the minutes in the playoffs, and who knows how it's going to work exactly, but just, just kind of follow me on this one. It's quite possible that... Kevin Durant wasn't here a few weeks ago. T.J. Warren wasn't here a few weeks ago. Terrence Ross wasn't here a few weeks ago, right? Three of your top eight. Three of your top eight. Nearly half of the guys 
that you're going to come to count on come playoff time weren't even here a month and a half ago. I mean, that's unusual. That's rare. Now, I think it can work because we talk about how flexible Kevin Durant is, how flexible Devin Booker is, how how their games can kind of shift and evolve depending on what's around them. But to think that you might go into to think that you might go into a playoff series and that your two key guys off the bench are TJ Warren and Terrence Ross, two guys that were on other rosters a month and a half ago. That's strange, right? That's unusual. It doesn't usually work like that. No, and there are guys that James is like listen, say what you want. His faith level in campaign I'm glad you brought that up. has been pretty remarkable because there's been two years of people, not just you, but a lot of other people. Gotta go get a guard, gotta go get go get Derek Rose, go get Reggie Jackson, go get Gurren Dragas, go get I don't trust Cam- campaign. Campaign's playing very well right now. He's had a trust level in campaign that I think has exceeded, you know, even his own expectations because campaign has played well, but he's had faith in him when a lot of others have not. I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that when we had campaign on. Like, I, I there, there have been times, you know it, I've expressed it many, many times. I'm just not sure I trust this guy come playoff time. I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I trust him as the backup point guard because the, I, I did ask him about this. Like, you're the one guy we know is going to play, right? Like, on the bench, we're, 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 we're sifting through everybody else. Even the Chris back- will get the least minutes out of the, out of the four main players. Yeah. Campaign Chris will probably the, get the least. He is the one we know for sure is going to play. Like, even the backup centers, we don't. We know one of them will. We just don't know which one of them will. Everybody else, like, I think Ross is going to play. I think TJ's going to play. I'm not sure, but I don't know how much Torrey Craig is going to come play if play come playoff time. I don't know. It okay, depends so, on the matchup. So Ross wasn't here six weeks ago. Warren wasn't here six weeks ago. Okoji Landau and Damian Lee were not here on last year's. It's five guys. It's five guys. Yep. The guys that you that you probably can rely on that were here are Campaign and Bismack Biombo. And ish to a certain extent. To a certain extent. So that's three. I don't know about Landry. Like Landry came out, shot the ball really well, but now he's not shooting it well. He may be an odd man out. Damian Lee may not play in the playoffs either. Bismack Biombo is going to play because of his intensity defensively. He's going to play. And I think campaign's going to play. So those are the two kind of holdovers that you could say those guys are going to play. Akoji wasn't here last year, and TJ Warren wasn't here last year, and Ross wasn't here last year, and Landale, if those guys play, are all guys that are new. I think James has done a pretty good job in building the bench. I think so, too. And the faith that he's had in campaign, while I've urged him to do more, right now that faith is being paid off. Now, there's an old saying about the weather in the Midwest. Hey, if you don't like the weather, wait an hour and it'll change. Right. And I kind of feel that way about the Suns bench right now. Like, right. Okay, this is how it is today. Right now. The playoffs start in three weeks. Who knows who's who's Landry might come around and be playing well again. Right. Terrence Wright Ross might be abysmal defensively again. He's been okay lately, but he was so bad about two weeks ago. He it felt like he was kind of unplayable. Like, man, you you have to play him. Was there a minutes promise made? Because I don't know if he should be out there. I have no idea what it's going to look like a week from now. It could be totally different than what it is. You know, I I think I can make a good educated guess as to who's going to play off the bench, but I'm not 100 percent. Sure, and usually I'm a big believer, and you get you know you should know by now. Like, but the problem is he hasn't had these guys for a long time. You got two guys that are brand new, so I do think it's fair to say, yeah, take the final seven games and determine what's the best fit for your bench. I think the only guarantees, and I mean the only guarantees, is that campaign will play because he's the backup point guard, and one of the two backup bigs will play. 
Like like that, and I, even then, I don't even know which one. I think every, I lean Biombo. I, I, I the defense probably would too because of the defense. I think other than that, to say with absolute certainty, I know this guy's going to get a bunch of minutes in the playoffs. I know this guy's going to be a major contributor. I think Ross will. I think Warren will. I think Ish will. But I, I again, I don't know. It, it's 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 and at the end of the day, while. You and I both agree that a bench player can win you a game within a series. You're going to win a series because of Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, they'll ultimately win or lose because of those guys. They'll ultimately win because of Durant, Booker, Paul. If you want to throw Ayton in, fine. But if they don't win a championship, it's because of those guys. If they if they win a championship, it's because of those guys. Yeah. And for the record, I only think Ayton because of the defense. His offense, it comes and goes. I mean, I, I, I still think, I continue to believe that when Kevin Durant is out there and he's healthy, that DeAndre Ayton is just going to get so many looks, it's gonna like he's gonna be so open all the time that he's gonna get some of the easiest baskets he's ever had in his life, even easier than when Chris Paul was, you know, playing the pick and roll with him. I still believe that. I think Aiton's role is defensive. I really do. I think Chris Paul's role is on the offense to facilitate, to move the ball around, to make sure it gets where it needs to be. I think Aiton's value is on the defensive side of the floor and what he can do there. He's their Chris, anchor. And He's got to be. Chris, you brought up Chris is playing well right now. Yes. He's playing at a high level. 47 his defense is not good. 47 assists and four turnovers in his last five yeah. games. And he's actually shot the ball pretty well. 42% from three in his last five take games. Take it. Listen, take it. I mean, he's playing well. Yeah. His defense is not the same defensive player by all. He's absolutely lost his step, and guys can go by him easy now. Um, you know, accelerating. But his offense has been very good. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the tank word. It's one that we don't want to throw around loosely here on the Burns and Gambo show. And yet, one looks at the Arizona Cardinals and wonders. That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Tuesday afternoon, Burns and Gambo, the Arizona Cardinals, and the offseason rolls on. Soon they'll be on the field getting ready, offseason workouts, things like that. The draft is just about a month away. Free agency's been quiet, real quiet. There have been some signings. They've kept some guys, but obviously Jonathan Gannon and the comments he made today about the roster and where it stands right now, it um, look, one thing's very, very clear, whether it's power rankings, whether whether it's win totals from Vegas, right? I mean, every, you you can't go a day without finding somebody on the internet. And I don't mean this negatively. I'm just kind of stating fact here. It doesn't seem like you can go a day without finding somebody on the internet who believes the Arizona Cardinals are the worst team in the NFL. Well, I mean, they, they, they were one of the worst teams in the NFL last year, and they've gotten progressively worse. Their starting quarterback's going to be out for we don't know how long. They're, they're, their best cornerback is gone. He left. He went to the Minnesota Vikings. Their their only young pass rusher, he's gone. He went to the Denver Broncos. JJ Watt retired. Like, there's not a lot. You know, your your star wide receiver is on the trade block. Like, 
you know, you, nobody, you, nobody can make a legitimate argument like this team is better. You, you just can't. I mean, nope. as bad as they were, they are actually worse. They're no, actually uh, worse than they were last and, year. And trust me, I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to kind of take the temperature of where things are right now. And I'll tell you right, the temperature, ESPN Power Rankings, Arizona Cardinals, 32 out of 32 teams. Uh, Over-under win totals this year. Nobody had a lower number than the Arizona Cardinals did, right? Like, it's, it's painting this picture of kind of... And I think... Most fans, I, I would hope most fans listening to us right now, the Arizona Cardinals, are aware of what's going to happen this year and are kind of aware of how things could go this year for the Cards. Just based off of everything you just said in the very early projections, it's not it's not painting a very optimistic picture, nor should it be painting an optimistic picture. No, which is why when you see a story, you know, five NFL teams that should consider tanking for the number one pick. Oh, is anybody surprised that the Cardinals are listed as number one, not no, we're not surprised. Not no, and listen, I'm on board. Like, if that's the game plan, I'm totally on board. I would like them to explain it's that that it'd be a lot easier to be on board with it if we all know, like, the, the, look, that's the game plan. You know, we know what the Coyotes' game plan is. Like, we know what the game plan is. Hey, they're not going out and signing big name free agents because they don't think they're ready to win right now. Fine, I'm all for it. Yeah, get the best draft pick you can next year. I mean, I, I build through the draft. That's fine. They haven't said that yet, but clearly. You know, when five NFL teams that you consider tanking, Sports Illustrated, Cardinals are number one. I'm holding out hope that at some point they will. It didn't happen today with Jonathan Gannon. I didn't necessarily think it was going to happen today with Jonathan Gannon. I think at some point, whether it's Monty Austin Fort, whether it's Michael Bidwell, maybe it's maybe it is Jonathan Gannon. I, I think I I really think they should take a cue from the LA Rams, who if anybody out there listening to us right now missed it, on Friday, the COO of the Rams came out with a letter that that honestly the the letter in some circles in Los Angeles is getting ripped because he kind of makes it sound like we're still competing for the Super Bowl this year. And Rams fans are like, yeah, no, you're not. But but in the letter, he said, while we're still trying to win this year, we also acknowledge what we need to do. We need to get our cap in order. We need to get our draft inventory in order. We need to have a little bit of a reset. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know if he used those exact words, but there was a certain level of transparency to that letter that was hard not to like. I mean, it was like, okay, guys, just being honest with you, this is kind of what we're doing this year. And I do think at some point the Cardinals organization needs to do something similar. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it sounds like. I don't know who says it. I don't know who writes it. But I, I think a similar message needs to be presented just in the effort of some level of transparency of what's going on right now. Now, I don't disagree with anything you said. Now, you've said actions speak louder than words. Their actions show you that's where they're headed. But I do think, I mean, hey, listen, you know, where the cupboards are bare here. It's going to take a little time. You know, we're not, you know, we need to build this thing the right way. And we want to build a, a team that could have sustained success over a number of years, not make the playoffs and then have one of the worst records in the NFL the next year. Now, you, Easy to say that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Now, you brought up the Coyotes. And I think they're a real interesting kind of comp here. Because when we say the word tank, understand how complicated tanking is. People, ah, oh, they should tank, they should tank, they should tank. Players are never going to tank. All right. Their, their jobs are on the line. Their future employment is on the line. They're not going to tank. They're going to, they should play as hard as they possibly can because they need that next contract. Coaches, I don't think they're ever really going to tank. They're in the same boat. They're basically coaching for their next job, right? Knowing that they're probably eventually going to lose this one. Front offices, that's a different deal, right? That front offices can build a roster that's not expected to win. And, and, and if we're just being blunt about it, that's what the Coyotes have been very blunt about 
with their efforts these last couple of years, in particular the, the last year or so with Bill Armstrong on the case. So when we bring you this article from Sports Illustrated, five teams that should tank for the upcoming season and the Arizona Cardinals are number one, no one's advocating the players tank. No one's advocating the coaches tank. But can you build a roster that you think's not going to be very good this year because you know that no matter yes. what you do, this isn't going to be your year? There's yes. nothing wrong with that. No, you can do that. Nothing and wrong with and that. It's, it's not hard to do. You just you let good players go that you don't want to sign long term and you don't you know you sign a bunch of guys to one year deals that are going to plug holes so you have a roster yeah but um, you're not signing a bunch of guys that you know they haven't signed anybody they like long enough to be here for more than two years nope so that's you know that's that's the way you do it and then you got to fill a roster but listen the most important thing that they could do is nail the draft and this year and then the next year that's the two most important things that they can do and really when you think about it isn't that going to be the primary way that we're going to judge this new regime, at least this new front office? 100%. Because the last regime was so bad at it. 100%. Right? I, I mean, but you know you know this, because even, even with the last regime, they would make these picks, you'd be like, oh, okay, it's pretty good. Like, and then if the guys play, I'm like, all right, it's not that good. We're not going to know. It, it, it's... It, We've done this long enough. We, we, we're going to look at the Cardinals draft, and somebody's going to give him a B-plus or a B, and you'll be like, looks pretty good. And then, you know, Kyler I'm laughing because you're so right. right? Kyler Murray's draft. If we went back and looked at the grades on Kyler Murray's draft, that year they drafted Kyler Murray, I'll bet you see some pretty good grades. How many guys are left on that team from that draft? Uh, none other it's just than Kyler. Kyler Murray. He's That's it. it. That's it. He's it. But if you look, I mean, what was, what was that year? What year was that? That was uh, 2019. 2019 Cardinals draft grades. Like, if I look this up, you would see the Cardinals probably getting some pretty good grades. Sure, of course. You know, because that's what, you know, oh, the Cardinals did great. Oh, here's one right here. Here's the WalterFootball.com. Cardinals get a B-plus for what that draft was. They got a B-plus for that, that entire draft. They loved it. They loved the draft. There's one guy left on the team. Yeah. One guy. Yeah. And, and, uh, look, they'll get A's this year. If they take Will Anderson at number four, if they move down one spot, mm. pick up a draft pick to do it and take Will Anderson, everyone's going to say, oh, the Cardinals, big winners. You're going to love this line. The Cardinals added some receivers to compliment Murray, making sure the cupboard won't be bare, aside from Christian Kirk once Larry Fitzgerald retires. <laughs> they drafted Andy Isabella for the slot, then selected Akeem Butler, who was a big-time steal in the fourth round. Sure. Sure. Covers are bare. There's nothing left in the cupboards. Can't judge a draft until we see the guys no. play for a year or two. No, we can't. We can't. I, I'm just saying that long term, that's what will define this front office and their ability to do it better than the last front office. And if they can do that well, then free agency isn't such a gamble. And then you don't have to take such risks. And you can keep guys you want to keep and let walk the guys you want to let walk. And rather than having to constantly fill holes and, and plug leaks like they've been doing the last few years. I mean, they've been doing a dance covering up for how many bad draft picks they've made. So, But we won't know. We won't know for a couple of years. We won't. Now, one thing we will know really, really soon, and I bring this up because we have a couple minutes left to talk about. Okay. Um, there's a story today on Pro Football Focus about Isaiah Simmons. And not about him specifically, but about the 2020 draft class. The deadline to pick up the fifth-year contract options on them is on May 1st. And they went through every single guy in that draft class in the first round and gave their recommendation. Their recommendation to the Cardinals was to decline 
the fifth-year option on Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. Not pick it up. And I agree. I agree. I know you agree because you think that if he, if he balls out and plays well, you can always find a way to try to keep him, franchise tag him or something like that. It's 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 just it's risky. It's risky because if you're not going to franchise tag him and he could be a free agent, and if he balls out, some other team's going to notice he balled out too, and then you may lose Look, him. I look at it real simple. There's two options. I, I, can, I can say no. I can say yes. I can't undo saying yes. I can't erase that. I can undo saying no. I can undo it. I can just I can tag him at the end of that year. I can Only still one year. It's not him a five-year deal. Year, it's a right? one-year deal. But, but but I if he doesn't ball out, now I'm stuck at twelve and a half million dollars for a player who might not do a thing that I want him to do out there because we still haven't found the one thing that he's good at. I think the safe play is to say no. I really do. I, I, I would recommend knocking, the Cardinals don't. I'm not knocking you. That's a, like that's your opinion. That's fine. Like that's good. Man, I'm tired of seeing young players come through and then go somewhere else and then play well. I'm gonna not like watching Zach Allen play for the Broncos and Byron Murphy for Minnesota and you know Hassan Reddick for Carolina and Eagles. Like it's man. Sometimes you got to hold on to your good young players. Now this regime has no ties to him, so we'll see. But it's it's definitely risky. Texas, your thoughts? The FanDuel text line. It's always open for you. During the Burns and Gambo show, Always you can open. text us at six twenty six twenty. It never closes. Never, it's like a circle K. It never closes. Mm-hmm. How much faith is there in the Suns to win it all? One former and very prominent Phoenix Sun shared his opinion this morning on this station. You will hear what he had to say about that coming up right here. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? All right, locally, nobody in action tonight. It's kind of a. Uh, Night to watch whatever you want to watch. Now, if you is Hakeem Butler playing for the XFL? <laughs> is that game on? <laughs> I don't believe the steal that of the draft in the fourth round. I don't believe that. Mitch was telling us that we got a text on the uh, FanDuel text line about Hakeem, Hakeem Butler. He's on St. Louis, the St. Louis Battlehawks. Right? Is that the nickname of the mascot there? Yeah. Are they playing the- tonight? He's catching dimes from A.J. McCarron. A.J. McCarron's on that team. That's right. I actually saw like there was a special on like Sports Center or something about that St. Louis team. Football's back in St. Louis. Oh, okay. A.J. McCarron was another famous player on that team. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned it. There was somebody else that was really good that was on that team. I did see that they're getting crazy good crowds there. Yeah, because they, yeah. they're getting really good crowds for the XFL in St. Louis because they're just so hungry for... You got something for me, Mitch? What do you got? Uh, got? I don't know the significance of this other than that he's the former Arizona State quarterback, Manny Wilkins. Also a member oh, of Maddie the Battle Wilkins Hawks. is on that team. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Marcel okay. Aitman, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma State, is on this team. Mm. Austin Prohl. Isn't that Ricky Prohl's kid? But who's the coach? Yeah, that's who it was. Ricky Prohl's kid, I think, is on that team. Who's the coach? Give me one second. The coach of the St. Louis Battle Hawks of the XFL. Only oh, one oh. talk like that. I believe former tight end Anthony there Becht. There it is, Anthony Becht. Oh, That's, okay. It was a special on him on like Sports Center the other day. I was kind of intrigued by it. I watched it for about four minutes before I bailed. <laughs> I was probably like a 30-minute special. I, I gave it four I, minutes. I love how in your mm. world, kind of intrigued equals four minutes of your time. I was kind of intrigued. I was kind of intrigued. I watched it for I read the first chapter of the book. 180 seconds. Yeah, I was intrigued. Yeah. It had me for a whole 180 seconds. 
I was in. I couldn't watch. I couldn't watch it. I, I know your 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 father may he rest in peace would have loved watching it, but I can't. I can't watch that. The XFL. I don't know if he would have liked the XFL. I, I, it's football. He would have loved it. He probably would have. Um, the XFL. They, they're they, they only play on the weekends. There are no games tonight. Oh, okay. the, the battle. The Battle Hawks play the Roughnecks on Sunday, April second. For what it's worth. Okay. NBA tonight. There are some games there to keep an eye on. If you're so inclined, if you're scoreboard watching and all that stuff. Five and a half minutes to go in the second quarter. The Grizzlies are beating the Magic 42 to 25. And with seven minutes to go in the first half, the Thunder are beating the Hornets 38-34. No John Moran today, I don't think. No, for, for, a hamstring, I think. It's a hammy. Yeah, no jaw. And then later tonight, it's the Pelicans taking on the Warriors. That's probably one to keep an eye on to see if New Orleans can spring an upset in Golden State and maybe give the Warriors another loss. I'm telling you, keep your eye open for the Minnesota Timberwolves to maybe jump up and grab number five. Keep keep your eyes peeled on that potential development. I would prefer them over anybody else. Yeah, I'd prefer them over the Clippers. I'd prefer I, them I, over the Warriors. I'd probably prefer them over the Warriors, too. Um, They're tied with the Warriors right now, both 39 and 37. Yeah, all right. Keep an eye, just keep an eye on that. Nothing matters. As long as Durant's healthy, they're not losing to the Clippers, the T-Wolves, the Warriors, the Pelicans. They're not losing any of those teams if Durant's healthy. But as far, as far as that locally, um, there's nothing else on tonight. None of the local teams are in action tonight. Tomorrow is going to be a busy night, obviously, with Kevin Durant. It will be the most watched pregame warm-up in the history of the NBA. Kevin Durant tomorrow night. Just to make sure he doesn't... No, I'm being dead serious. Like, all eyes will be trained on him the entire time. I think it was Kyle Odegaard, somebody on Twitter, who had suggested, man, don't even come out for pregame warm-ups. Just, just come out and play. <laughs> don't worry about the pregame stuff. Just come out and play. Go, go warm up on a backcourt somewhere, right? He's warmed he's, up three million times in his career. Like, he's fine. Go warm up in the parking garage or something where no one can see it because we don't want to mess with that at all. Um, that's coming up tomorrow night. I think the Coyotes are in action tomorrow night as well. Uh, but tonight, nothing. We're we're free and we're clear, and we can talk about what Charles Barkley said this morning on the morning show. That's right. Let's this? do it. We did not. We have not done this yet. Let's do it. Um, if it is the Clippers in a four five matchup, he says he would pick the Suns. I'm pretty sure. Hey, listen. I'm pretty sure you don't want to come off your hospital bed and have to guard Kevin Durant. <laughs> that's not, you know, that's not going to be conducive to Paul George's health. No. You know, yeah, he might like, yeah, I'm not healthy yet. I don't want to come off my hospital bed and have to guard Kevin Durant. So, man, it's such a fluid situation. Um, uh, it's going to be fun, though. And I, I don't know Kevin's situation. If he comes back healthy, I think a week, because, you know, you're probably going to have another week to get healthy. Mm-hmm. But like I say, they, they're going to beat the Clippers. If it is the Clippers in the first round, I agree with you. If they're healthy, but they're he doesn't. Anybody in the first he round. doesn't think that the Suns are going to get out of the West. Here's what he said about that: This is going to be probably the craziest NBA playoffs ever. I mean, if you ask me right now, I'm probably going to pick the Nuggets and the Bucks. But I'm going to put it, you know, as they say, I'm going to write it down in pencil. I'm not going to write it down in permanent. I'm not going to write it down in permanent ink. (laughs) You know, Aaron Gordon is one of the best defenders at his position. Michael Porter Jr. can defend. Bruce Brown, they've got they've got guys that can defend. And it's, you know, as good as, you know, as much as you may like Aiton, they, they, the Suns don't really have an answer for stopping Jokic. 
Uh, Murray's been interesting because he's back this year, but he's had like ups and downs. Like he's good, but I don't know he's back to being the level that he's great. But the thing I look at is I look at them and I look at their ability to d- defend, and I think that's why they would have a chance against the Suns, but I don't think that they would beat the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I think they can individually defend. Uh, team defense, I think the Suns could probably... I, 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 I'll tell you what I'm really looking forward to this week. All right, The Suns and the Nuggets on Friday night. I, and I don't... I'm assuming they're both going to play all out in that game. I can't wait to see those two teams play each other in a game. Right, because the Suns, first of all, they haven't played the Nuggets since Christmas, I don't think, right? They haven't played since Christmas? Okay. And obviously the (laughs) Suns have had so many guys missing and they've changed over the roster five times, it feels like, since they last met. If the Suns are at full strength and the Nuggets are at full strength on Friday night, that is a game to watch just to see how those two They'll play hard out. against each other, too. I think they will. Because they're going to want to just let the other one know, we got you. Yep. Nuggets are going to want to lay. Durant or not, we're better than you. We're the top seed in the West. And the Suns are going to be like, I don't care about the top seed in the West. We got Kevin Durant. There's nothing against they're gonna tomorrow play hard. game. Yeah, tomorrow night's game's going to be cool because of Kevin Durant. It's Minnesota. They're up and coming. It might be a first-round preview, potentially. But Suns-Nuggets on Friday night, I think we're going to potentially learn a lot from that game. Really, we could learn a lot about this. Don't team. they play him twice? They do between now and the rest of the season. Because yep. the last game of the season against them? Uh, no, the last game of the season is against the Clippers, okay, but they play, play him again the last week of the okay. season, somewhere yeah. in that last they week. Got two against. And them. Mitch points this out, and and I'm glad he did. Um, it's the second night of a back to back for the Nuggets on Friday night. They're oh, taking on. Oh, okay. Maybe they won't go hard then. So maybe they won't because they're they're playing the Pelicans in Denver on Thursday. So they okay. maybe they'll keep an eye on their minutes and they won't play everybody hard. I don't know. We'll see. Could but. be. Could be. I don't think, yeah. Maybe if they, if they play the night before, it's very unlikely they're going to play everybody the next uh, day. By the way, something we'll probably talk about tomorrow, at least a little bit. There's a story on our website right now. The city of Phoenix is suing Tempe over the proposed Coyotes Arena airport noise. The city of All Phoenix the, is? The city of Phoenix is suing oh, the city geez. of Tempe about the that, arena. And the Barraway stuff. More uh, about that at ArizonaSports.com. We're out of here. We'll see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.